Hello, Nephew community, and welcome to the Hot Topics of Nephrology podcast. I'm Jeff Lockwood with the Nephew Medical Team, and I'm here with Mark Newman, nephrology writer and editor. Every month, Mark keeps us up to date on the latest hot topics in nephrology. Uh, today, at the time of this recording, at least, it's June 21st, the longest day of the year. Um, and I've discovered that some people actually celebrate the extra sunshine. I'm not one of those people. But uh, Mark, do you have any interesting or fun longest day of the year traditions? Yeah, we're always glad about it, of course, in Arizona, because it's the last longest, hottest day to some degree. I mean, uh, ultimately, we want the days to be shorter uh, because uh, here, you know, the sun is the brightest late in the afternoon. So the sooner it goes down, the better. Um, and of course, you know, it eventually we'll be hitting probably 110, maybe even 115 this summer, which is pretty normal. So uh, anyway. That's so yes. much different than here where it's almost warm now. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, it's called the Valley of the Sun for a particular reason. And uh, they mean it. So Yeah, I guess so. So... Anyway. Yeah, today uh, we'll highlight some of the talks presented at the American Transplant Congress 2023, which took place June 3rd to 7th in San Diego, California. Of course, anytime I hear San Diego, I think of the great movie from back in my day involving a news anchor, but we won't get into that. So uh, <laughs> ATC, it's a big meeting, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, sure is. And of course, that's a great location to be in the summer, San Diego. Uh, California's got some great weather. Um, but uh, yes, it's it's a um, the transplant congress has been around for some time. But it makes it what makes the large attendance in essence is because you have two groups here. You have the American Society of Transplantation, and then you have the American Society of Transplant Surgeons. Um, you know, transplant physicians obviously belong to AST, and the surgeons have their own group. And for many years, they had separate meetings, so they converged and decided to have one congress, which works out really quite good. Um, you know, keep in mind that we have about five days of sessions between the two groups and over 1,200 uh, both live abstracts and posters on transplant management and surgical related issues. So there's a lot to cover in those in that time frame. Um, and uh, and there's, there's many pro-con debates. Uh, there's a, a number of these, as I mentioned, oral abstracts or hot topic abstracts. And then, of course, there's you know lots of interesting posters and and networking. So it's a big meeting for transplant. Uh, usually attracts about 5,000 attendees, uh, you know, including physicians, surgeons, uh, some transplant nurses, and patients too. They have patient uh, patients involved in some of the discussion panels, transplant coordination, of course, industry and pharmaceutical companies that are you know touting. Uh, all kinds of uh, interesting products. Uh, even believe it or not, there's companies out there that will uh, present uh, uh, products such as organ transportation. So if you think about um, getting an organ from one um, hospital, from a hospital to a transplant center, it's really key to make sure that organ stays well-preserved. And so there are certain devices that uh, are on the market that do that. So it's important that to make sure that uh, um, the organ stays uh, safe and secured and, and, of course, preserved. So it's an interesting uh, part of the market. But certainly pharmaceutical companies, as we mentioned, and uh, industry in general. So uh, it's a big meeting. Uh, 
it compares, if we want to make a comparison, there's about 8,000 attendees at the Kidney Week, uh, which is the American Society of Nephrology. And, um, and that's also a very large meeting too. Yeah, that is a large gathering of all things transplant. And of course, it involves specialists in heart, lung, liver, and other organs as well, not just the kidneys. I, mean, I know we've touched on transplant quite a bit in the last several podcasts, but that's with good reason. Uh, there's a lot going on in transplant these days between the dire need for more organs and who manages distribution, as well as equitable access to waiting lists, uh, research on tolerance, xenotransplantation, the impact from COVID on transplants as well. So lots of lots of things going on. Now, were all of these some of the hot topics at the meeting? They were. Uh, in fact, the very first oral abstract session of the meeting and the first presentation was about graft survival or transplant outcomes among recipients of kidneys from deceased donors who had COVID-19. Uh, this is good news because outcomes were similar in the study. What they showed was outcomes were similar using kidneys from deceased donors who had COVID uh, versus patients with donors without COVID. So the virus didn't have an impact on the outcomes. And uh, you know that's, a, that's a, a major relief. Whenever you have a, a kidney that's compromised in some way, uh, whether it's through a virus or other reasons, it's certainly, certainly important to look at the outcomes, uh, the long-term outcomes, in this case, particularly one-year graft survival. Um, you wanna make sure that the kidney going into the recipient um, is safe and still has the, you know, the long-lasting uh, capabilities of, of a kidney without um, those issues. So this was, a, this was good news. Um, it was a good study. Um, but was also made clear by outgoing President um, Dipali Kumar. Uh, she's a professor of medicine at the University of Toronto and director of transplant infectious diseases at the University Health Network there. Um, is the organ shortage and outcomes still remain top priorities? Uh, here, here's a quote from her during her talk. We face two large issues today. One is the shortage of organs, including the issues of access, allocation, and equity. Uh, the second is the need to improve long-term outcomes, including reducing rejections, infections, and increasing graft survival. You know, transplant's been a success story for many years, hasn't it? You know, we hear it called the gift of life. And we hear stories like Uber drivers donating kidneys to passengers or kidney swaps across the country. And those gather national headlines when they occur. But not only do these transplants save lives, uh, they're really the feel-good stories everyone's looking for. Exactly. I mean, uh, it, it puts um, the issue of kidney disease uh, sort of indirectly. I mean, dialysis does not, get, does not capture those same headlines because ultimately the goal many doctors will say is to get a transplant. Uh, that, uh, that is a much better solution long-term versus dialysis. Uh, not only is the graft survival uh, strong, I mean, it's roughly about 95% uh, based on today's data, uh, but it also gives a, a patient a much more, uh, a much better quality of life. Um, you're not chained to a dialysis machine three times a week. You don't have to, you have a much more liberal diet um, with a transplant because you're basically working with a new kidney. So you can, your diet can be almost, you know, pretty much normal. Um, and, um, you know, there are some side effects, of course, you have the immunosuppressive drugs that can have an impact, they're toxic, so they can have an impact on other organs. And, um, 
Uh, there's other issues. There's some some patients uh, see weight gain and other um, <clears throat> other things that they have to address. But nonetheless, you know, the feel good story is getting a transplant, and of course, the people out there who are altruistic and and the willing to donate. Um, there's also been a sense uh, at times in transplant that outcomes have been more than just good. And can we even do better? You know, in general, that one year grass survival we've mentioned a couple of times now um, is around that 95%. And we know a new kidney offers a much better option than going on dialysis, um, even if it is a bit compromised. I mean, <clears throat> in Spain, for example, um, they donate, uh, they receive kidneys from older donors, let's say, you know, 65 to 70 year old, and then they place those kidneys in, in a recipient who's 65 to 70. So in essence, uh, organ donation, even in older age is fine uh, if you planted, if, if you transplant to somebody in the same age bracket, because it's understood that this organ is not gonna last you know, 20, 30 years or 10, 15, 10, 15 years, let's say, but it'll certainly benefit the patient who's on dialysis that's in that same age group. And of course, the immunosuppressive drug cocktail uh, that has been refined reduces the risk of rejection. And we also have discussed here on the podcast in the past that you know CMS, uh, the the uh, the federal government, and Medicare want more patients to have kidney transplants, and their goal is by 2025, uh, which is uh, you know two years from now, is. Um, to have uh, more, certainly more kidney transplants, have more patients with kidney transplants. And that's part of that advancing American Kidney Health Initiative uh, that we've talked about previously on our podcast. So all the, all the, the, the direction for transplant is all, you know, full speed ahead. If we can get more organs, we should be doing more transplants. Um, we can work with compromised organs. Uh, it's a better quality of life. Um, the government wants to push for more. So. Um, there's lots of benefits, and um, you know these meetings kind of bring out some of those, some of those issues uh, and some of those topics. And uh, I think you know that's what the Congress is all about. Yeah, we discussed some of the numbers around transplants in previous podcasts, and they certainly are positive numbers. But I suspect Dr. Kumar said that kind of resting on our laurels is not a good idea for the transplant community. Yeah, exactly. Because um, despite that success. We still have more than 100,000 people waiting uh, for a transplant. And most of them are on dialysis awaiting a new kidney. And uh, being on dialysis, uh, the survival rate among patients, particularly older patients, is not really good. Uh, you know, we need alternatives. So if we can't find enough human donors, uh, what about other options? So xenotransplantation came up in, in that discussion probably over a decade ago. It was kind of like this sort of like this whiz-bang uh, theory, this idea that in essence, we could harvest organs from animals and use them for transplant uh, into humans. And uh, it kind of came up and it kind of disappeared uh, because of some of the complications and the infrastructure issues. And there was little guidance from the government agencies on how to regulate. So, you know, if you're gonna pursue this idea, you know, you need, you need uh, some level of regulation and and uh, how to, how to um, you know how to harvest the organs and what are some precautions, et cetera. So there wasn't much out there. But Dr. Kumar's asking the National Institute of Health to create a section for transplant uh, within its uh, in essence a division within the NIH 
um, that would help push Zeno along. Um, so once you get the government to recognize its value and its importance, and then they create guidelines, then you can get industry to finally say, okay, we can make the investments and we have the financial backing ultimately uh, from government. Uh, they're in favor of it because they want more transplants. So uh, those are all positive signs. And this year, of course, at ATC, uh, it certainly grabbed more attention. There are now new government guidelines from the FDA. Uh, companies are getting closer to solving the pig to human transplant issues. And most of those are compatibility and concern about viruses from the pig that can be transmitted to humans after the transplant. Um, this, um, uh, this kind of got some headlines within the, the last several months. Uh, most of us read the story about David Bennett. Uh, uh, Mr. Bennett was a 57 year old man who underwent the world's first successful xenotransplantation organ surgery. Uh, Bennett uh, had end stage heart disease and underwent an experimental emergency procedure uh, to replace his damaged heart with a genetically modified pig's heart. Um, the US Food and Drug Administration, as I mentioned, has not approved any genetically modified or pure animal organs for Xeno. So in essence, this is not an FDA procedure and the hospital and the doctors involved basically got this as a um, you know, one-time um, emergency uh, procedure that needed to be done. Otherwise, Mr. Mr. Bennett would have died. Uh, and so that is how they got it approved. Um, so we still have a long way to go, uh, but progress is being made. Um, there's more discussion about um, and there's companies out there um, that were at the meeting that are, that are focused on this. They're, they're looking at the compatibility issues. They're starting to develop how do we create an infrastructure where we can have, in essence, uh, farms where we can harvest the organs. We can, we can, uh, we can um, uh, grow the, you know, in essence, uh, have pigs there. Um, how do we harvest the organs from the pigs? What's involved with that? What agencies are involved? So. Um, it certainly got some more headlines, I would say, than recently, and we'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, you know, likewise, there's also some research, as you mentioned earlier, Jeff, about something called tolerance. And this is basically transplanting an organ from one person to another, along with a transplant of stem cells from the donor. Uh, <clears throat> this was tried many years ago, and it's coming up again about the possibilities. Um, those stem cells help the recipient, in essence, accept the new organ and reduce the need for anti-rejection drugs, which, as we mentioned earlier, uh, can be toxic to other organs. So um, the very first transplant that was done in the 1950s was a kidney transplant from uh, a kidney transplant with two identical twins, with, with, with twins, basically, identical twins. And um, uh, so it was from one brother to the other. So that reduced the potential risk of rejection. So now they're trying to find out if there's a way to also do that, um, you know, produce this tolerance, if you will, of the body accepting the organ uh, by bathing the, by bathing the, um, the organ uh, with stem cells from the, from the potential recipient. So it's sort of like, introduces the organ to the body, the body recognizes it and it doesn't try to reject it. So uh, this was a case just recently you know, where a study was done among um, several children that were um, uh, getting transplants and they were able to hold off 
uh, use of any anti-rejection drugs for up to three months and uh, with this procedure. So um, that ultimately is where we, we think really want to go with transplant, get the body to accept the new organ, find out ways to do that. Um, and then, you know, as Dr. Kumar said in her talk, you know, collaboration between surgical and scientific innovation is really critical to advancing the specialty. Or oh, as she said, we will not succeed. Uh, surgical innovations are important, but don't make transplants, but cannot make transplant success on their own, she said. Both the surgical innovation and the scientific innovation need to go hand in hand for us to succeed. So I think that's the important message. And, and there's certainly uh, and there's certainly the demand, you know, like I said earlier, over hundred thousand people waiting for an organ transplant, whether it's a kidney or a heart or a lung or a liver. So the demand is there. Uh, we just need uh, the technology um, to go beyond just the human uh, donation and see what else is out there. So those kinds of things are coming up. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see where we go and what we hear next year uh, at the annual meeting. The topic of xenotransplantation really is fascinating. And it's one of those things that's been successful in cases where you have maybe heart valves or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you'd think, and although it might take a while, if we could figure out solid organ transplant, there would be more than enough kidneys to go around and solve a lot of problems, especially in the kidney care community. But of course, exactly. Exactly. a lot of obstacles. Yeah, you know, one of the things that they're um, working on also is the implantable kidney. So uh, this is a mechanic device, mechanical device. Kidney in a box. Right, exactly. Um, and this, you know, it, it requires a lot of research because of people have always said, you know, it's not like developing an artificial heart. Heart is basically a pump, pumps blood, but kidneys do so much more. They filter the waste from the body. They, you know, they're a regulator of sorts for things that um, uh, you need to, you need to be able to do. So, you know, uh, different, uh, different things like phosphorus and and other products that um, that we ingest have to be regulated by the kidneys, um, and and so the the importance there is to find a device that can do all those things and do it successfully. And um, you know we're still a ways away, but it's in development. And you know, in essence, if you could, like you said, you know, <clears throat> pick up a kidney off off the shelf, implant it, and have it and put, turn the switch on and have it work. I mean, that would resolve so many issues. But, um, you know, we're getting there. Yeah, and I think it goes to show the impressive thing the kidney really is and how hard it is to duplicate what it does. Exactly. Uh, well, Mark, thank you as always for joining us to discuss the American Transplant Congress 2023. Sounds like there's a, a lot of exploring and innovating going on, which in the transplant world could lead to some very interesting changes in patient care over the coming years, hopefully in a very positive way. Uh, it's great to get your take on the hot topics and get a quick overview of the meeting. If you're interested in the meeting next year, it's going to be in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, beginning of June. So if you want to take in all that transplant information and get a great cheesesteak, you're in luck. <laughs> um, thank you to the nephew community for joining us and listening in. Hope you all enjoyed the conversation and be sure to join us next month so Mark can keep us up to date with the latest hot topics in nephrology. Thank you.